Now, in, in 2021, uh, one of our longest uh, serving church members went to be with Jesus. She died. And some of you came to the funeral here in this chapel. I think it was September 2021. Now, just after she died, I met with a family to discuss funeral arrangements, um, the brother here at the church and uh, a sister. And as always, in those discussions, the most important topic was the obituary. Um, the family rightly wanted to honor our memories by making sure that all who came to the funeral remembered our dear sister as we had all known her, right, before she died. They wanted to remember as a godly woman uh, who had impacted the lives of many, and she did. And of course, this is right and, and true for every funeral, isn't it? When someone dies, we want to remember how they lived. That's what I want to remember, how they lived. Not write in detail about how they died. So if they had died in a car accident, for example, we wouldn't expect to um, have photographs at the funeral and go into some detail to describe just how that death happened. We wouldn't do that. Why is that? Because, well, because every death is ugly. There's no value in our deaths. Death is an intruder. It is an ugly process that we don't want to celebrate. Except the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The authors of the four biographies of the Lord Jesus in the Bible, they spill a lot of ink, really explaining in detail how Jesus died. And of course, we're here this morning joining Christians around the world to go over those details and to celebrate the very crucifixion of Jesus. And we even call this day Good Friday. Strange name. We don't call it Bad Friday, even though we know death is ugly. And the question is, why is our attitude to the death of Jesus different to other deaths? Death is horrible. So why is the death of our Lord Jesus such good news that we even call the day he died Good Friday? Well, to help us answer this question, I wanted to look at this eyewitness account of the death of Jesus written by one of his followers, um, the Apostle John, who was there when Jesus died. And so look with me there at John 19, verse 16 to 30. And just before we get into this, to understand why the death of Jesus is such good news, uh, the, the key truth really, just to help you as we go through this, is that the key truth John really wants us to explain, wants to explain here, is that Jesus is God who was crucified for us so that we can live in the kingdom of God. That's essentially what this passage teaches us. Why is Good Friday Good Friday? Well, it's the day that Jesus, our God, our King, was crucified so that we can live in the kingdom of God. You see, the Bible teaches us that God is King. He is a supreme Lord and creator and sustainer of all things in the universe. He is a great king of the universe. But it also tells us that God, though he's king, is not fully reigning as king over every human heart. Humanity has rebelled against God our king. And that rebellion started in the Garden of Eden. 
We declared independence from God. And since then, every human being is born into this world outside the full life and full glory of the kingdom of God. Every human being is born into this world as a rebel against God. And of course, this is terrible. It's a tragedy. It means all of us are under the judgment of God because of our sin. It means by default, when a human being is born, they are bound for hell to suffer eternal punishment in hell forever. Now, God is full of love. He's full of kindness and mercy towards us. We are, after all, his creatures. And God doesn't want that for us. He loves us. He loves you. He wants you to be with him. So God has done something amazing. God the Father has sent God the Son, Jesus, to bring us back into his kingdom. Now for this to happen, God the Son, Jesus, must pay the price of our rebellion against God. Because God is just. So Jesus must come. He must die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin against God. God must punish Jesus in your place, in my place. And that happened on Good Friday. Good Friday is good because it's the day that Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. So that you can have life with God. It is the day God the Father punished his son in your place. And this is what this passage actually is teaching us. That's the good news of the Bible. And let's just see this for ourselves. Let's learn this for ourselves by looking at, just walking through these um, verses we read. Look with me there at verse 16. And the context here is that it is Good Friday, the first ever Good Friday. Uh, In the year 33 AD, right, Jesus has been put on trial in Jerusalem by Jewish religious leaders. The trial has happened before the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, because at this time, the Romans are controlling this part of the world. And the Jewish religious leaders want Jesus dead, right? And what they've done is they've whipped up the crowd to turn the heat on Pilate, the Roman governor. Now, Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent. And so he's been trying every trick in the book to set Jesus free. Even his wife has warned him, don't put Jesus to death. So Pilate is really trying to do that. But he has failed. He has failed to do it. And the crowd have said, if you don't do it, you'll be, you be cancelled. Right? And, and Pilate doesn't want to be cancelled. So what does he do? Well, he gives in to the crowd. He hands over Jesus to be put to death. And that's what verse 16 to 17 tells us. Let's just read that. So he delivered him, that is Jesus, over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Now, if we're watching this on video, just pausing there, if we're watching what's happening on video, we can see Jesus is bleeding heavily all over his body because he's been flogged, you see. And they put this heavy beam on him and he's struggling to support this heavy wooden crossbeam. And so Jesus now is being led out of Pilate's court, right? And he's now staggering towards outside the city to Golgotha. And as he's going there, he falls down. He falls down on his face, actually. His skin is bruised beneath the crossbeam. 
And as he's being led there, the soldiers become impatient at what's happening. And so other passages of the Bible, particularly Matthew, he adds that at this point they force Simon of Cyrene to help Jesus carry this heavy crossbeam. And together now, Simon giving Jesus a hand helps Jesus. They make it to Golgotha. And there we read in verse 18 what happens. There they crucified him. They're crucifying, they've just crucified Jesus. And if we are watching this now, what we are seeing is we are seeing four soldiers, right? They take the crossbeam of Jesus as he arrives. And they take it off Simon. And what they do is they place this crossbeam flat on the rocky ground, right? And they stretch Jesus on this crossbeam. And at this point, they have stripped him off naked. And as Jesus lies there naked, he's drenched in blood. And one of the soldiers picks a large iron nail, pike really, 16 centimeters long, one centimeter wide. And he places it on the wrist of Jesus. And then he takes the hammer, he swings the hammer down, it pounds through the wrists of Jesus, through his flesh and deep into the wood. And of course, seconds later, he takes a second spike and to the right and he does the same thing. And now Jesus is impelled, you see, on this crossbeam. And then what the disciples do is they then raise Jesus, right? Up the crossbeam while Jesus hangs there bleeding. And as they raise him there, actually, with his body, at this point, the, the feet are not yet nailed in. They are raising him there painfully. And then it's then that they grab his feet and they place one feet on top of the other. And again, the soldier swings the hammer and on the, as it were, on his feet, the nail goes through. A single spike drives through his flesh through his heel bones into the wood. And of course, the soldiers have done their partner. Jesus is crucified. That's what the Bible means when it says they crucified him. Now, that's just the beginning. Because now the agony begins. Crucifixion is death by suffocation. And so now, as Jesus is hanging there, the weight of his body is increasingly compressing his line. Every breath is painful. You know, people today wear the cross. They wear it as a fashion statement. The cross is no fashion statement. Not for the Romans it wasn't. Cicero calls crucifixion the most cruel and shameful of all punishments. The Jewish historian Josephus called it the most wretched of deaths. The Romans never crucified their own people. To the Jews, it was a wretched death. Why? Because the Jews, it's a curse to be hanged on a tree. As Paul says to the church in Galatia, in Galatians 3, verse 13. And so here now we have Jesus, God the Son. is now dying, you see, on this cursed cross and he has come for this mission. 
to die by choice on this cross. Jesus is not there by accident. We just read Psalm 22. It prophesied the coming of God. Jesus is there because he has come, you see, to die a cursed death. Jesus is come to be the king of cursed sinners. Let's read on verse 18 to 20. There they crucified him. And with him, two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. What's happening here is that Pilate the governor, having crucified Jesus, has written this placard. And the placard is really intended to mock the Jews. But God is using Pilate to shout, if you like, from the rooftop that Jesus is God, our King, being crucified for us. What Pilate means as a joke, God has sovereign determined to declare Jesus in three languages that he is King. John has already told us in chapter 1 that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. Just read chapter 1 at the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And he's describing Jesus. So we know Jesus is God. He's 100% God and 100% man. And so now as John describes in chapter 19 here that Jesus is dying, what John is saying to us, this is the Word. This is God, our King, dying for us. And notice that Jesus is being crucified between criminals. Why? Because the crucified king is dying among these criminals because these criminals represent all of us. Like them, we have all rebelled against God. Like them, we deserve death for our rebellion. But Jesus is dying on that cross among sinners on Good Friday to suffer punishment for your sin. The nailed hands of Jesus are outstretched on that cross because they are really the hands of God calling out to you. Jesus is saying to you from the cross, before God, you are not different from these criminals dying on my left and on my right. You are not different from the soldiers putting me to death. You are not different from the crowd who have cried for me to be put to death. You are not different from the religious leaders who hate me to the bone. Every sin you commit abuses, plunders, shames, and rejects God. Every sinful thought you have raises a fist against the rule and authority of God over your life. You are a sinner, Jesus is saying from that cross. You are a sinner in every fiber of your bone. And the holy wrath and judgment of God is resting on your soul. Your situation is perilous. And that is why I am on this cross. How ugly is sin? Look at the cross. I am on this cross. Suspended between heaven and earth. 
You should be here, Jesus is saying, from that cross. But I am suffering the almighty wrath of God for you. I am dying on this cross as your king. I am not just bleeding to death, Jesus is saying. I am bearing in my body the full weight of the divine anger directed at you. Now I mentioned a few of the gory details of the cross. And we might get the impression that what is horrible about the cross is the physical death. That's not the most horrible thing about the cross. Because it is that Jesus is there, you see, that the whole wrath of God is being poured on him. And that's why other accounts mention that the earth is darkened from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. for three hours because the very wrath and judgment of God is being poured on Jesus. And so Jesus on that cross is saying, I am dying on this cross as your king to bear the full word and wrath and judgment of God directed at you. I am paying for your punishment, regardless of your language, regardless of your nationality, regardless of your economic status, regardless of your gender, regardless of your sexuality. I'm paying for the, the penalty for you. I am doing this to serve you, to bring you home, to deliver you from sin. And Jesus is saying, come now, says Jesus. Says the Lord Jesus, come now. Turn to me and be saved. Repent of your sin. There is no other savior. Surrender your life to me. I am the meaning of life. You'll find no other savior except me. And for you to be saved, you must trust in my death to save you. If you can save yourself, I wouldn't be on this cross. If your good deeds can mean anything before God, I wouldn't be here dying, bleeding on this cross for you. Trust not in the things you do for God. Trust in my death for your sin. Let me bear the wrath for you. The wrath of God for you. Let me ask you this morning. Have you done that? Have you truly surrendered to the Lord Jesus? Are you truly trusting in him? Well, if not, come to him now. Come to him this morning. Right now. Where you are, repent of your sin. Cry out to God to save you. And if you do that, if you cry out genuinely to God, he will deliver you from sin. He will give you a new life at this very moment. That's why Jesus is there on the cross. Let's go back to the cross. Because we see suddenly what happens is that as Jesus is dying there, John switches his camera away from Jesus. What happens is that we are back at Pilate's mansion in Jerusalem. And the religious leaders have come to see Pilate again. Look at verse 21 to 22. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, No, no, no. Do not write the king of the Jews. But rather, this man said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate, of course, answered, what I've written, I have written. So they are complaining about the placard, right? Don't write it like that. And then what happens now is that the camera again switches back to the cross. We see Jesus hanging there, naked, stripped of all his dignity. 
And the soldiers now are sharing his clothes. Let's read on verse 23 to 24. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier. Also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they, that is the soldiers, said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to see whose it shall be. Just like was prophesied in Psalm 22. And he says this, this was to fulfill the scripture, Psalm 22, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. What is John trying to tell us here? Well, he wants us to see what refusing to wave the white flag of surrender to Jesus means for each of us. When we draw a line in the sand against Jesus as our king, when we say, I'm not ready to surrender to you right now. When we say that, we are being like the Jewish leaders. They've gone to Pilate and said, we prefer Jesus dead and we want to make sure he remains dead. And we don't want any talk of resurrection. They want Jesus dead rather than alive. When you refuse to surrender to Jesus, you prefer Jesus never came. You prefer a world without Good Friday. You see, when we refuse to give up control to King Jesus, we are also being like the soldiers. You are stripping Jesus of all his honor, all of his dignity, all of his majesty. You are shaming your God. Oh, friends, what a horrendous thing. To know Jesus has come to be crucified for you, and then you show him the door to leave you alone. You don't want him. What a heinous crime against your maker. Remember, it is the Lord of glory crucified for us on that cross. It is the Lord of angels who has become our servant on that cross. It is the Lord of life shedding his blood for you. It is God the Son who has gone infinitely to the doors below himself for you. To be crucified for you. It is the God who is greater than heaven itself who has stooped down for you. For you to refuse to surrender to Jesus, no punishment for you would be sufficient. You deserve nothing short of eternal hell. And hell itself won't be sufficient for you. You deserve much greater suffering than hell. Because what suffering can equal rejecting the infinite God? All of the universe depends on him. The air you breathe depends on him. The life you have depends on him. The gifts God has given you comes from him. You are nothing without him. And to reject him 
Not only as your creator, but as your redeemer to reject him. You deserve nothing short of hell. Now, Jesus does not want us to suffer everlasting punishment at the hands of God. And that's why he's dying on that cross. To suffer the wrath of God that we deserve. Remember what I've said, the crucifixion of Jesus is not simply a physical death. Because as Jesus dies on this cross, God is pouring on Jesus all the wrath and punishment you deserve. Jesus is willingly being punished by God because he wants us to be in his kingdom. But for you to benefit from his death, you must truly surrender yourself to him. And that is the point John drives home as he switches the camera now away from the soldiers and back to the cross of Jesus. Look at verse 25 to verse 30 there. He says, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary. Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that is John who's writing this, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, John, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now there are a lot of details here we can pick up on. But essentially what John really wants us to focus on are the last words of Jesus in verse 30, where Jesus says, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Why did Jesus say that? What is finished? Well, the answer is everything. Everything he has come to accomplish. The job of opening the door of his kingdom to sinners is finished. It is complete. In this death of Jesus on this cross, God's justice and his love have now kissed. They have now embraced. The punishment for our sin is finished. It is paid in full. The death of Jesus is God successfully, without fail, serving sinners. A real purchase, not an hypothetical purchase. A real purchase. Jesus has bought his people. All whom the Father has given him and now purchased. All who truly trust in him now can enter his kingdom. You know, you and I cannot open the gate of the kingdom of God and force our way in. Our deeds can't do it. Your church attendance won't do it. Not even today. It won't do it. There's nothing you can do to force your way into the kingdom of God. Only the death of Jesus opens the gate of the kingdom of God. The key to the kingdom of God is shaped in the cross of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, the gate is open. And all who enter through that gate of the cross now have eternal life 
with God. There is no other Savior besides Jesus. There is no other Savior beside this King, this God who bled and died for you. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. He is the very gate to eternal life. And this is the good news of Good Friday. Because if this morning you repent of your sin and you trust in the death of Jesus, you receive the right to be part of the kingdom of God. It will be Good Friday for you right now. And the question I ask again is, have you entered the kingdom of God through the death of Jesus? Will you enter this morning the kingdom of God? A true Christian is not simply a person who comes to church. It is a person who is putting his full weight on Jesus. She has given up living for herself. Jesus is now in the driving seat. And you know, we can't surrender to Jesus in our power. We can't do that. Many of you have heard many of these sermons before. And you still haven't done it. You can't do it. You need God to give you a new heart to trust in Jesus. Could it be that to this very day, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. And as you have heard the word of God, could it be that God has brought you today to cry out to him to save you from sin? So cry out to God to save you. Ask him to give you a new heart to enable you to trust in Jesus. Enter the kingdom of God. Now some of you here have already entered the kingdom of God. You're already truly trusting in Jesus, our crucified King. So how should you celebrate Good Friday? Well, let me just be quick, and then I'll come to an end, because I'm sure you're waiting for fish and chips uh, to come, right? So let me be quick. To those of you who have already trusted in Jesus, oh, dear friends, it saddens me so much that we find the cross of Jesus boring sometimes. We find this boring. We find this sending us to sleep. How is that possible? Because the first reaction of Good Friday is this. Two things. Two ways. First thing. If you have truly surrendered your life to Jesus, be thankful. Let Good Friday be a day of thanksgiving. That you serve a God who willingly gave up his life in Jesus to bring you into his kingdom. This is why you are a Christian. Because King Jesus died on Good Friday, you have now been set free from the penalty and power of sin. You are no longer a spiritual slave of sin. Jesus, your wonderful redeemer, has purchased your freedom from the power of sin, death, hell, and Satan. You are now free forever. And that should fill you with thanksgiving. Because King Jesus died on Good Friday, our war with God has ended. God is not angry with you anymore. Jesus has ended your rebellion against God. The heart of God now just beats peace for you. God only has thoughts of peace about you. Because the blood of Jesus shed that Good Friday has reconciled you to him. Because King Jesus died on Good Friday, his sacrificial death before God has cleansed all your filth, all your sin, 
past, present, and future, Jesus is our willing and perfect sacrifice before God. You know, what that means is there is no distance between you and God. God has now completely loves you, approves of you, accepts you, delights you as his very child in Jesus. And because Jesus died on Good Friday, there is now no condemnation for you in his kingdom. Jesus is your perfect substitute before God. As a hymn writer says, bearing shame and scoffing root in my place, condemned his stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah! What a savior. That's what Jesus has done for you. Because King Jesus died on Good Friday and rose from death. You have new life and union with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are united with the triune God in Jesus forever. His spirit now lives inside your heart. And he's growing you every day to become more like Jesus. And you know, no matter what difficulty, circumstances you are facing this morning, what struggles you are having with sin, what suffering you may be going through, your future is already written in Christ. God is bringing you into the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. Beloved, because Jesus died on Good Friday, one day you shall see God face to face and live with him forever. Never again will you suffer. Never again will you sin. Never again will you have to die. All because Jesus died on Good Friday for you. So this Good Friday, praise and thank Jesus for his death on that cross, which has brought all these blessings and many more. So praise and just one more final thing. The death of Jesus really should be a special comfort, particularly for those of us who are experiencing deep emotional and physical suffering in life. You know, we don't know the audience for whom John wrote this account. But we know like all believers in the early church, they were suffering. John himself had been exiled at the island of Patmos for his faith during the reign of the Roman Emperor Domitian. Christians were suffering. The early church knew intimately the horrors of crucifixion. They did not have to imagine it. And I think the cross provided a singular encouragement to them. Because what do you think they felt when they read this bit? When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I imagine that brought tears of joy and encouragement. What a difference it makes to know that we have a God who has suffered. I can imagine them reading this and saying, I am suffering a lot for Jesus and feel like giving up. But how can I abandon him who loves me so? The early church knew that the answer to their suffering is the crucifixion of Jesus. They persevered by focusing on the suffering of the crucified king. 
Are you going through deep suffering this morning? Do you feel alone at the moment? Are you feeling emotionally suspended between heaven and earth? Has living for God become such even a heavy weight for you? Well, can I encourage you as I encourage myself to bring your wounds to our crucified Jesus? Tell our Lord how you really feel. Tell Jesus the pain in your heart. Is it anxiety? Is it health worry? Tell him you are fearing for tomorrow. Is it loneliness? Tell him you feel abandoned. Is it betrayal? Tell him the anger within. Is it the stress of being a mother or a father or a parent which has many, with many things to take care of? Tell Jesus you're struggling to call. Come to him. Tell him your pain. Because if you remember anything Good Friday, remember this. Jesus is God our King who has moved heaven and earth to bring you into his kingdom. This crucifixion, beloved, is our invitation to come to the foot of the cross. You can come to Jesus with whatever suffering because he has suffered for us. Psalm 68 verse 19 says, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. This is our God. This God is Jesus who bore our burdens in his crucifixion. The cross says, it is finished. Your sin has been paid for. God is Jesus is now with you. He is now your wounded king. He is now much more your resurrected savior. He has your back for all eternity. Amen.